So another one for trying to take this one a little bit further back than the last one. Just inside Thistle half. Floated towards Holt. Headed away by Kildate. Doherty forward. Brian Graham peeling off. Robson with the header away. Muirhead heads it to Hodgson. Hodgson flicks it onto Graham. Graham finds the bottom corner. It's 4 3 in the 96th minute. Lovely little flick on from Lee Hodgson. And it's goal number 49 from Brian Graham who fires it past the goalkeeper to give Thistle a goal advantage. Heading into the second leg. corner from the opposite side now. This one fizzed in, it's towards Graham and Brownlee. Graham strikes in, finds the net! Goal number 50 for Brian Graham and what a time to get it. Brilliantly controlled volley and Thistle have the lead. Oh, stop getting back to McMillan, keeps it himself then, gives it to McMillan, he's onside. Cuts it back, Tiffany, 2-0 Thistle! 6-3 on aggregate. And Thistle have done a terrific job in this opening 45 minutes of really kicking Queen's Park while they're down. So Wallace gets it. Standing up his man. Plays it back to Muirhead. First time cross. Good area. Graham meets it. Very with a great save. And it's bundled in by Kevin Holt. Thistle 3, Queen's Park now. Floated towards Brownlee. Brownlee rises, keeps it alive. Muirhead going to meet it, brings it down. Out to Cammy Smith who shoots, deflected, and Ferry with a great save. Marlon will bundle it in. There's goal number four. Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on our playoff success over Queen's Park, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks Matt. Um, an absolutely brilliant week to be a Jags fan and, and hopefully more of the same over the coming weeks, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to discussing the, the, the two games. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, how are you? Great, thanks Matt. Excited to talk about some fantastic Thistle wins and still lost my voice from karaoke at Munn, so apologies for the rasp. Excellent. And running off our panel is Jamie McDonald. Jamie, you've, you've sent a photograph this week, you're not on a bus. How are you, other than that? Uh, glad to be not recording on a bus. And yeah, I'm good. Obviously, exciting games we've had recently. Looking forward a lot to next Friday and I'm looking forward to discussing the last couple of games. Yep. Obviously, there was no podcast last week. David was uh, away at Eurovision, but we will we will have a chat about the Wraith game and the sort of permutations from that a little bit later. But just most recent games, the the two legs against Queens Park. Jamie, I'll just start with you. What did you make of the the two legs? How do you think we played? Do you think we deserved to go through as convincingly as we did? Yeah, I'd definitely say so. Especially on the performance in the second leg. I thought in the first leg, I think we started the game slightly slowly, but then we grew into it and really took control and obviously we scored and then we had that one that was chopped off. Then that McMillan goal, I love that goal. It was just a really good bit of play. And McMillan's someone I think he deserves to get an extra goal to before the season ends, so I'm glad he managed to get on the act. And we let them back into it before. It was a poor goal to concede, to be honest. I know Thomas does well on the ball, but we backed off him a bit. And you could say Mitchell should have done better with that first goal. And then obviously we then go 3-1 up. I'm glad to see Fitzpatrick get a goal. He's really overdue one he's deserved one for weeks he's been good off the bench and obviously at Hamilton you can see he's got a day hand scored so I think probably a bit of a relief for him that he's been the back of the net for the first time in a while and hopefully takes a bit of weight off his shoulders and then the, their second goal was it should have been a foul on Turner still it's annoying to concede but it, it should have been a foul I don't know how that wasn't given and then takes a huge deflection and then Mitchell stranded it's not his fault and then their equaliser that one, you probably can lay the blame at Mitchell a bit as well. Again, we backed off Thomas, which I thought was poor from the defence, but he likes that shot go through. I mean, you know, we know he's a better keeper than that. It's just mistakes happen, but it showed good character as well because how many times would you have seen us being the one that concedes the fourth goal instead of going down the other end and scoring it? And uh, it was some moment. And it gives that 
bit of momentum going into that second leg, and I thought the second leg we just cruised it. To be honest, started as we meant to go on, and I, we were brilliant. I thought uh, we'll be on Friday, and one of the best performances of the season, in my opinion. That Brian Graham goal was such a good hit. Didn't tell how good it was at the time behind the goal, but watching it back, it was brilliant. And that second goal was some great stuff. It's kind of stuff we're starting to become accustomed to seeing under Dylan. Just good play, good reverse pass by Lawless, and yeah, McMillan for another assist. Good to see Tiff at double figures as well. And, I very little to complain about. Really good performance and glad we kept the clean sheet because I wasn't expecting that. Heather, just in terms of the, of the of the first leg, do you think 4-3 was a fair scoreline? Because Jamie sort of pointed out mistakes that we made sort of let Queen's Park back into it. Do you think we were more dominant than a, a one-goal lead or was that a fair, a fair reflection of what you saw on Tuesday night? I felt like we were in a lot of control of Tuesday and um and I think you know at um at two nil and then three one, I felt like we had um you know a, a good vision and would just and would see out the game and I found it quite disappointing the way that the you know the 80th minute went and between 80 between 80 and 90 conceding two in such a short span of time was maybe a bit more reminiscent of a past Thistle team than the current football team that we've been watching. I did think that we deserved more than than just one goal advantage, and it's, it's certainly three three was such a disappointing moment. But the fact that we had the character and the creativity to to you know to pluck that fourth goal out of out of nowhere is just as testament to what this team can do and the spirit that's around the team right now. So. I guess my answer would be I think that we deserve to be maybe have a, have at least have our two goal advantage, but was just glad that we went in with some with, with just of a little cushion for for the next game. And Reese, in terms of the second leg, where does that rank in terms of games this season? And in terms of games all time and nights all time following Thistle winning a second leg away from home against our Glasgow rivals, where does that rank in terms of this season and all time for you? Oh, it's, it's definitely right up there. There's no doubts about that. It was an absolutely, it was just a fantastic night for like everyone associated with the club. I mean, f- from start to finish, I just think like that summed up everything good about Partick Thistle. You know, there was the football we played, the goals we scored, the sold out crowd behind the goals, which uh, we would uh, we would easily have doubled that figure had we got more tickets and <clears throat> just the fight and the hunger from the players that they showed and supported Dylan. So, uh, of course. From from everyone at, at draws or draws as well, we we send our sympathies to Dylan. But it was just an amazing performance to see. And uh, do you know do you know what set up the most important goal of the tie? I actually missed it, but Brian Graham's 90, 97th minute winner on the Tuesday night that set us up perfectly because had that not gone in, Queens would have turned up with the momentum on their side, and and who knows what would have happened? They could have taken that chance that they had early doors on Friday, um, but thankfully, after we we sort of we we shook ourselves off after that chance they had. We just went on a tear, and, and that first half was was outstanding. Second half, it was the game was done. It was out of reach for Queens, and um, we could have had plenty more. I know we missed a couple of chances, but eight three did not flatter us. It could have been double digits um, on aggregate. So it was really, it was a really pleasing night. And and I, I, mean, I know a couple of guys that I know uh, in our chat were saying they're not really looking forward to the playoffs, but you, you can't even say that now. Like, I think everyone's up for it, and everyone's ready to go for Friday night. So yeah, I'm was buzzing with Friday just gone so I can't wait for the next game. Jamie over the two legs who were the, the standout performers for you and we should also congratulate Jack McMillan for winning the club's player of the year. Uh, obviously the more prestigious awards like the draw loser draw awards will be coming uh, when, our, when our season's done but who stood out for you over the two legs? I say there's a couple of really good performers on that Friday night I thought sorry on the Tuesday night rather I thought that Kyle Turner had a really good performance glad to see him get another goal for he deserved it over both legs, as per usual, Mr. Consistent, Jack McMillan, I thought, had another two good games to add to basically every performance he's had this season. He's very rarely ever dropped below a seven or an eight even. So I'm glad to see him get a goal, get an assist in the second leg as well. And yeah, I wouldn't say anybody was singled out for being poor. Maybe you could say Mitchell wasn't great on the Friday, the defence, maybe Muirhead and Brown at times on the Friday as well. Just a couple poor, I keep saying the Friday, sorry, the Tuesday, the first leg. And you could say maybe they were a bit poor, but I wouldn't say they were dreadful. But on the Friday night game, the second leg, I think everybody was fantastic. There was no failures around the pitch. And I think it's hard to single people out when you think Friday it's four different goal scorers. And then you go to the Tuesday, it was four different goal scorers again. So, yeah, I always, I always love when that happens. I know it's satisfying to see someone score a hat trick or score a double or whatever, but I always like when we spread spreading goals out over the team and it shows that you've 
you're not just over relying on Graham to get your goals or Tiffany to create something. You've got goals throughout the squad, and that's just so satisfying to see. But I'd say for the Tuesday night, I'd probably pick out Kyle Turner, and then for Friday, I'm just going to say Graham and McMillan. Those two are fantastic. Heather, who stood out for you? I think what was no- most notable from unfortunately watching uh, the game on TV on Friday instead of being there was Brian Graham's overall performance. I'd agree with Jamie there. Um, they, in- they interviewed him after the game and uh, Leanne asked him about the f- um, had he been asked to like do something different and he just talked about the fact that he could see that other players were maybe struggling or were tired and I think Doc was maybe carrying something at some point during the game and he just worked back and um, and covered and he, he made a wee joke about Scott Tiffany not having enough brain cells to know where <laughs> where to go and where the danger was which was quite entertaining as well but I just thought that Brian Graham just represented everything that was great about Pipe of Football Club on Friday he just um, he he played with his heart in his sleeve was there for every single ball and celebrated everything with the fans so I thought that Graham was was sensational on Friday Yeah, Congratulations to Graham as well for, for reaching that 50 goal mark I think we've been so lucky um, to get him at this stage of his career and get so many good years out of him at this stage of his career as well and we've been so lucky that he's sort of fallen on I know there was a little gap in between but from Chris Dolan in that number nine position we've been we've certainly been blessed there so congratulations to Brian Graham for that on, on Friday night. Uh, Reese, a final word from you on, on the tie as a whole? Yeah just <clears throat> absolutely amazing um, we couldn't have asked for it anymore to be honest it was exactly how we wanted things to go and a complete night and day from the playoffs last season, going into the game against Inverness, like sort of stumbled our way into the playoffs, and and some could even say that we've done that again. I know we picked up a few draws and whatnot, but I don't think I think we're there on merit. Um, and of course, we all know that we probably should have won the league. We should have came second, but we've came fourth ultimately. Um, and in the in the long run, and um, we'll probably touch on it soon. But I think coming fourth has actually benefited benefited us getting those two games out of the way, playing the way that we did with the confidence that we have and now we can look to carry that into the, the next games coming up so yeah a, a great tie over the course of the two legs and and, and just a great occasion for everyone involved with the club uh, Reese, I know you mentioned the, the ticket seller what an absolute shambles I left the, the first leg at 3-1 to, to queue for a ticket I missed Queen's Park to go two goals and then I made it to the hill to see Brian Graham's winner and it was Bedlam and the Hill folk were just sort of running about mental on the hill. That that was great. I'll never forget that, but what a shambles with the tickets. I get quite hyped up about ticket shenanigans. Like I, I don't really get way pumped up for like playing Rangers or Celtic or Airdrie and like that. But see when a team fucks about with tickets, I get right up for it. It was the same on the opening day away at Dundee and I know there was some spilling over from Covid for that game as well but I was so up for that I was so up for the, that Queen's Park second like just for mucking about with tickets I know quite a few Queen's Park fans I've got a lot of time for them because like they've not had I know they've had a lot of success on the pitch but like going to Falkirk then Furhill and then Stenhouse Muir like they've had quite a tough time of it off the pitch following their, their team about so I've got a lot of time for them but it's just like given given us 10 disabled tickets and my mum got one of those tickets and was in the stand and she asked for like another one for somebody to sit with her and she wasn't allowed it and then you see the stand not being filled I'm not having a go at Queen's Park fans for that but it's the organisation around that and then limiting our allocation to 1100 um, making it pay per tickets only so get it right up them basically a final word on that and in terms of on the pitch I know Kyle Turner's had a lot of praise for sort of goals and assists throughout the season I think those two playoff games were the most impressed I've been with him because he was obviously filling in for Banzo for most of it and we're going to chat about Banzo's injury in a minute but Turner filling in in that deeper role with Docky, I thought he was brilliant we didn't really lose much defensively I know we conceded a few cheap goals but especially on Friday night the defensive job he did and he didn't lose anything else going forward he was still a threat going forward he was still creative I thought he was brilliant across the two legs and I, Brian Graham have obviously given him a shout McMillan I think deserved player of the year can't argue with that and just a word on Mitchell as well, because I think he was to blame for the first and the third goal. I know Brownlee doesn't do great on the first goal. Uh, I thought he should have saved it, and he definitely should have saved the third goal. I think Graham mentioned that after the second leg, he'd made a really big save when the game on the night was nil-nil. So that's all you can really ask for a goalkeeper that's made a couple of mistakes to come back and make a big save early on in the, the next game. And he did that, so a bit of credit to him as well. Jamie, how big a loss do you think Stuart Bannigan obviously didn't prove to be that big a loss but how big a loss do you think 
he is going forward in the next two, maybe four games. Are you looking maybe that could be a, a big blow when we're playing a, a Premiership team maybe? Or do you think um, Kyle Turner and Dockett in those two deep roles are enough? How, how desperate are you to get Bannigan back? To be fair, that was the point I was about to make. It's for the air game, don't want to speak too soon, but Bannigan's a loss in any game he doesn't play in, but I think we've got enough about the squad anyway to beat air. I think it'll be a tough game, and I think it'll be close in the Queen's Park game, but I think we've got enough about it to beat air without Bannigan, but it's the final. If we, you know, the hypothetical final, if we were to get through that, I'd be more concerned about not having him. Because you're playing, I know you're playing opposition who are on lower confidence and not as good form, but you're also playing against what should be on paper a better team. And you're going to need players like Bannigan who can drop in deep and break up the play and take the ball off Muirhead and Brownlee and play about better. And he's a big, I think he'll be a big loss in those games if we are to get there and if he's not back, which I'm assuming he won't be. So I think against Air, we should be able to survive without him, although he will be a mess. But it's the, like you mentioned, Matt, the hypothetical final, which concerns me more. But I do trust the players we've got. Turner did well in that role on Friday. And yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Actually, I want to give a bit of praise to Chris Dome as well. I was surprised when Bannigan went off and he brought Fitzpatrick on. I was expecting maybe Hodgson to slot in there or maybe McKinnon. But he brought Fitzpatrick on and that ended up being a really attacking starting eleven, which possibly isn't sustainable long term when you've got Graham, Lawless, Tiffany, Fitzpatrick, Turner and McMillan even to an extent as an attacking threat on the pitch. But it just made for such an exciting team to watch. As I say, I don't think it's sustainable that long term, but just to have all those guys on the pitch at the one time was brilliant and great to see. And I, I sort of hope we, we go into the air tie, at least with those guys still on the pitch. But I do think Bannigan will be a big loss as, as time goes on, because I think he's had another really solid season. Heather, Mark Edwards has, has asked, would you rather begin into the, the air tie, which we've got coming up in successive Fridays, with a fortnight's rest or... A bit of momentum from the Queen's Park game. I'm guessing your answer might have changed from a week or so ago. Uh, what do you think about that one? I think it's such an interesting one because if we had scraped through against Queen's Park and real, you know, if 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 Friday had been a really dodgy, you know, one-one draw, and we but we just managed to get through on what happened on Tuesday. You maybe be thinking, oh, and in, and and also like if you do look at it, when we talked about the fact that Bannigan's injured and certain other players are not available, I think we maybe originally would have said, of course, we would have preferred to come second and had the rest, get players fit, not have these players playing the games. But just seeing the way that Chris Dillon's Thistle team play is an absolute joy. You know, it's just absolutely fantastic. And Friday was, you know, was so clinical and so enjoyable for so many. I, and I do, and you saw the way, you know, um, the crowd on, on on Friday. It was absolutely unreal to to watch, and there's right behind the team, and that really spurred them on on the pitch. So you do feel like having that, you know, you're not had like a, a, the two week break. Instead, you know, we've all been back together. The you know the Fistle players know exactly what it means to the fans, and there's a real a togetherness that's in the team that wouldn't happen if we'd come second. Now, naturally, of course, we would have loved to have come second, got that extra money, you know, and just maybe felt a little bit more like we'd accomplished something. But hey, you know, if you told us that finishing fourth and we'd be this happy right now, you know, I'll take that. I think I think we are also a team that does thrive on confidence and thrive from, you know, from doing well in previous weeks. And I think it it will only be to our benefit. I think it's quite, it's quite actually similar to Bannigan being out in the sense that I think we should be all right with against air. Like I, I think the momentum will be a good thing against air, and I feel pretty confident going into the tunnel. Famous last words. I think where a fortnight's fortnight's rest might have done as good as when we come to the the Premiership tie if we get there. A long way away, but I still like no team has gone up from third or fourth for a reason. And I think it's when you you get to the Premiership tie where it's going to be a problem. But going into the air game, I think full of confidence, and you come here. So I'm just, did you, I just don't know if you saw uh, Chris Doolin's interview about that, you know what, Jonathan Sutherland asked him, like, about, you know, no team's done this 
how do you you know how do you think your team's going to do and it's such a hard question for someone like that to answer but Dylan's answer was amazing he just thought he just said records are there to be broken and record you know records are there to be made and you just saw like that was definitely his mentality as a player about yeah. you know scoring goals and um and just creating that legacy and legend status at our club and you could just see like you know he he didn't have any he didn't have excuses up his sleeve he didn't go oh you know this and that he said you know yep we're gonna we're gonna do our best and if it's gonna be any team it's it could be ours and I just thought that was such a brilliant answer for someone who you know going through so much personally at the moment but also someone who's never been in any sort of position like this as a manager I just thought it was so professional and profound I have to also like you know my I was watching with friends who never watch football in general who love some of the commentary you know and like Brian Graham's when one of us is hurting we're all hurting like they love that and they just said they and like they just said like Chris Dillon just seems like the nicest man in the world and it's so it's lovely to know that not it's not just Thistle fans that think that it's it's just it's just everywhere absolutely Reese Joykman yeah, just touching on what Heather said there about um, quoting Dylan. So he said that records are there to be broken, and it's true, it's right. And and we've already done the first part of that. I mean, no team that's ever finished fourth has even won the third v fourth playoff tie. <clears throat> so to go and break that record straight away, why can't we go up from fourth place? I know we've got an absolute mountain to climb, but we are going into the game against their full of confidence. Hopefully, we can catch them cold. They'll be sitting watching us, thinking. Don't like the lucky playing Thistle. They look right up for it. Whereas they, it's hard. It's hard for teams to get a bounce game at this time of the season. Yeah, everybody, everybody else is away on holiday or they're still playing games, so it's hard to organise a bounce game. So I don't know if they'll just play amongst themselves or what and just take it easy. But we're we're right up for this. And when it, when it does come to the Premiership side, it's a long way away still. The Premiership teams are still fighting for their lives. They're still putting everything in there. It's not as if. 11th and 12th, there's a wee bit of gap between them where they're cut adrift and they can maybe rest a player here or there in, pre- in preparation for the playoffs. That'll go right to the wire, so it's it's a long way away and like you say, this could be the year that a further fourth place team, obviously fourth now, go and get promotion, so fingers crossed we are the team to break that record. I think what really helped actually on, on Friday and why I, my sort of optimism levels have, have gone right up is the fact we were able to rest guys. We're going to talk about Wraith in just a few seconds, but Graham and Tiffany played 90 minutes against Wraith, 90 minutes in the first leg. And I'd say against Wraith especially, they looked quite tired towards the end, but to get them off early and then a week off and the, this airtime being sort of spaced out Friday, Friday rather than Tuesday, Friday, I think is going to be a big help. And maybe we do have the best chance of any third, fourth team getting into it because we are going into it with momentum and a bit of a rest, which is which is really good. Uh, Reese, I've just come to you then on the Wraith game, if you can cast your mind back that far. Obviously, it was a, a disappointing 2 draw, but how well do you think we played? Do you think the fact that we we scored goals and came back from 2-1 down sort of helped us go into the Queen's Park game or a bit of momentum? What were your takeaways from that night? If I can cast my mind back to that night, I left pretty downbeat. Um, I went into that game very confident it would come second and things all ended up going our way and it actually worked out perfect. It was the teams that we wanted in the playoffs as well. You probably would have taken Queen's Park, you would have taken Air United. But yet again, the story of our season, the opportunities are there to be taken and we haven't taken them and ended up coming fourth. So I was disappointed with the outcome of the night at the time. Overall performance, I think we started really well, obviously going that goal up and we had a few other chances and then out of absolutely nothing, we give them a penalty, just a brain fart from Doherty. But these things happen and you just need to continue playing. And we, we allowed them to come into the game. I mean, they didn't even venture into our half other than that penalty at first, but we allowed them to come into the game. Um, and it came to a point where we were actually thinking, here, yeah, we could miss the playoffs altogether. And at that point, I was, I, I, I didn't know what to think, but it was just unthinkable that we'd actually finish outside the playoffs. I know that was always a possibility, but at that stage, I, I couldn't believe it. And it would have been really, really sad for Dylan not to make the playoffs. But thankfully, Tiff got that goal, and I thought we would actually have went on and won it. I mean, Every time we play with the ball in the deck, I don't think there's a single team in the division that can live with us. But we kept playing high balls that full night, and obviously you know why. You're trying to get it onto Graham's head and stuff. But if we'd have just played it on the deck, who knows what would have happened. I think we could have probably went and won the game, but we're, we're trying the long throws early doors and stuff. And it almost paid off with, with Danny Mullen. He probably should have scored, but fantastic save for McDonald. And unfortunately, we only came away with a point that night. But it was enough to get us in the playoffs, and as I say earlier on, I'm actually glad now that we finished fourth um, using using hindsight, but uh, it's 
it is what it is on the night. It wasn't good enough um, to get second place and you just have to carry on, dust yourself down and go again. And and thankfully, we've, we've went into the playoffs with the right uh, mindset. Uh, Jamie, why didn't you chuck a few in that night? Mate, I wish I had. That last-minute chance that Danny Marlon had, I was convinced was in. I couldn't believe McDonald saved that. And, uh, it was just frustrating. And I agree with what Reese was saying. I was going in confident as well. I thought we were going to get second, and I walked away feeling like we'd just lost. I was you know, so gutted at full-time. I just wasn't in the mood at all for the playoffs. And In the end, could it have ended up working out our way? Because now we're going to be going into the playoffs, so we're going to the semi-final of the playoffs with the momentum of Two good wins behind us, especially that Friday night performance. Whereas here, I know they've had the rest, but it could be a bit rusty and they don't have that momentum. And hopefully they're a bit more wary about us now because we're scoring a lot of goals right now. So, yeah, we've got some players in the team that are to be fair, to be fair. Heather, Liam Keynes asked, what percentage do you think we are to go up in terms of a, a chance of going up? Obviously, David's not here to say he's still 66% sure that we're going to actually win the league. Which, you know, it's still in play, of course, but what, what chance you give us of going up at this stage? It's so tricky because oh, because we've got so many games left. If you know, even if we do get past air, what what could be? And also we've got no idea really of which premiership team it's going to be. And there's certain there's I mean there's certain ones I definitely do not want. Um and I think it's so tricky. I'm gonna go with like a very low 12% chance and then just be absolutely buzzing when it when or if it happens but yep 12% for me. I like your style Amo wouldn't be, be pleasantly surprised. Uh, Reese any advance on 12%? You know I'm going higher than that because when you get to that playoff the premiership playoff final you've got a 50-50 chance. I know it may be and historically the odds will be stacked against you but at the end of the day Two games of football, you've got a 50-50 chance. So we're going into the air game. If, you, if you're breaking that down again, you'll say 25% chance overall. But I'm going to go and say 30 because we're better than that. We're better than that. So I'm going to say we've got a 30% chance. And, and you look at it, this would be the best way to go up. In all honesty, finishing fourth was a failure. It's a failure of season. There was no progress from last season. The aim was to win the league. If you didn't finish second, take it for there. But if we go up via the playoffs from finishing fourth, and if we can have performances like we did on Tuesday and Friday, then wow, what a couple of weeks we could be in for. And I can't wait. Jamie, are you in between 12 and 30 or do you have a, a more extreme take? I'm going to say 33 and a third percent because there's three teams left in the playoffs effectively. Us, Air and whoever the Premiership team is. I'm going to give us a, even though the playoffs are stacked in the Premiership club's favour, I don't care. We're we're playing well right now. We're a, we're a good side, and I'm quietly confident with our chances, despite us finishing fourth. So, yeah, thirty-three and a third. I'll go twenty percent. Right, I think we are the favourites against there. I'd give us like maybe a sixty, sixty-six percent chance of going through against there. That like really fancies over to I know famous last words really fancies, but I, I still just can't get the nagging feeling out my head about no team getting up. The amount of games it is. Was the squad so delicate? Like one injury to another key player might just tip the scales away. We might be knackered by then. So I'm I'm going to edge closer to Heather than than Jamie and say twenty percent. Um, Heather, Heather for Hill first on Friday. What sort of game are you expecting? What sort of team are you expecting? Do you think? Well, I suppose it depends if Bannigan's fit. But if he if he isn't, do you expect any other changes? I don't think so. I think obviously taking um, the, you know, some of our key players off uh, when we were quite settled in the second leg makes you think that that maybe is Julian's plan. Like you know, obviously give them the rest so that they're ready to go. Um, I think, I think that I think obviously we'll have taken four three, and uh, studied that, talked about the fact that we need to sharpen up at the back to ensure that we are not letting in goals but I think apart from that I I think that we'll set up in a very similar way with the attacking football I think air will struggle with that and I I don't really see why why we would why we would go for a change unless there's any other injuries I think it will be a really I think it'll be a really good game I think it'll be a really tight game I think we'll have to ensure that we naturally 
take charge of who's you know who's going to be marking Akinyemi and ensuring that he doesn't have the freedom that he's had at the past at Firhill. I think obviously we learned from the Tuesday game with Dom Thomas given any sort of opportunity or chance to shoot and giving him that space obviously was to our downfall and um, I mean and Akinyemi is even better than him so I think let's need to be careful there but I think with the way that we're playing right now why you know it's so exciting it's so engaging it's so free-flowing I think that's the way that's the way to go. Reese, how confident are you getting into this two-legged tie? I mean you're never <clears throat> you're never over the top with conf- like with your confidence um heading into any part of the Fissile game so but that being said part of me is as a slight bit confident and that's just because of the last two games had it been 1-0 in, in each of those games and that would be a different thing altogether but like like you say their main threat is obviously Akinyemi I know they've got other guys like Josh Mullen and whatnot who of course are good players in their own respect but everyone overly focuses on Akinyemi and for the most part we've contained them pretty well this season and you've just got to hope that we can continue to do that uh, and, and produce the results that need, need to happen that being said it's two games that I'm really looking forward to and I do think that they'll be a lot more nervier and edgier than the, the Queen's Park games, but I do think that we have enough in our locker to go and win the tie, basically, over the two legs. Jamie, do you want to kick us off with a, a prediction for the first leg at Firhill? Yeah. Um, I think it will be a bit of a closer game. I don't think it'll be as crazy goal scoring, no, not another 4-3. But, like I said, I'm quietly confident and I do think we have enough about us to be here. And they're a good side. Like we've said, Akinyemi is definitely their danger, man. It's kind of game that I would I've liked Hope to be at centre half to kind of marshal him, but obviously injuries to Milne, etc. means Hope probably be playing a fullback. So I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, but I think we'll win. So I'll say 3 1, Fizzle. Heather? I got um, reprimanded outside the ground after the um, Ray Fovers game for predicting such a shocking scoreline. And like, 8 3, 8 3, what did you mean? You know, and uh, so I'm going to go for something wild and exciting again. So. Or was it 7-5? I can't remember what I said, but it was something stupid. But um, let's go with Thistle. are going to win the first, like, 6-2. Did you not predict that Dundee Queen's Park would finish 7-5? And that looked all right for a period of time, to be fair to you. So one of these will hit one day. Uh, Reese, what about you? Um, I'll go with a... Not, I was going to say comfortable, not comfortable, but I think we will win 2-0 on the night. I don't think it'll be plain sailing, but I think we'll get a couple of goals and, and hopefully keep them out of the other end. So 2-0 Jags. Uh, David can enter his prediction here. I think it's going to be an excellent game on Friday. Um, you know, Friday night football, it's always a good night out. Um, Fissel versus Air and a playoff, obviously a lot of needle there. Both teams want to get it up the other. And... After the two games we had this week, we're playing such great free-flowing attack in football. And the key is, if we can keep that up, we can beat anyone. Um, I think that it's going to be a tougher game than Queen's Park. But I would say, I'll say 2-1 Thistle. But ultimately, over the two legs, with a game at Fahill, hopefully a bumper crowd, you know, couple of pints and buns, the Woody, Coopers, whatever your establishment of choice. A great night out for the fans in Somerset Park. I think you're expecting a bumper crowd at Somerset Park as well. Probably the biggest crowd outside of the old firm in Kelly um, in many, many, many years. But similarly, when we go to Somerset Park, we are always up for it. We always take a big crowd and no doubt we'll do the same as we did against Queen Park on Friday. And I think that Oddly, I think the Somerset Park game is going to be the big one for us and, and it's going to be the fans at Somerset Park that really pushes over the edge. I think Aira expecting to have a bit, you know, a big presence there cheering them on. But I think they maybe underestimate the support that we can bring um, and we will bring. And yeah, but 2-1 Thistle for the first leg. And I'm going to go for 2-1 for Thistle. Heather, you've talked about Akinyemi. I think we've actually done all right against him this season. I know he scored a couple at Hill, but the, the one in December, that was a wonder goal. And the one at, uh, just a few weeks ago, that was off the back of Darren Brownlee's individual mistake. So it's not like he's torn us apart and he's been like unplayable consistently like out with that wonder goal. So 
maybe he's due one against us. I think Muirhead and Brownlee on Friday night there in the second leg, they they played really well because I didn't think either of them had their best game on on Tuesday in the first leg, but I thought they were much improved in the second. So I'll go 2-1. I think we're routinely scoring goals under Doolin now. Just a little word on what Doolin ball is. I think it's a sort of re- reverse ball to a fullback, mostly McMillan at, at, at the moment with Milne being out and then Milne picking some out with a pullback. And we've seen a couple of goals against Queen's Park. I think we had one against, was it our broth at home? And we had another one like that. And uh, one at Queen's Park on Friday there. So I think that that's what Doolin ball is in an ideal world. I know Doolin said that's how he envisages his playing. So I think we'll get a couple of goals and I'll go for a 2-1 Thistle win. Reese, do you want to come in before we, we move on to Partridge Thistle? <laughs> so just a wee compliment for Dylan Ball. I was along visiting my granddad today, and <clears throat> to be honest, he's the guy that got me into supporting Thistle all those years ago. But um, it doesn't bother coming to the games anymore. Not, not that it doesn't bother, but he just can't make the games in person anymore. So he's been watching the playoff games on the telly, um, and he said uh, that's the best football that he's seen a Thistle side play since Jimmy Bone and etc. were there. So and and he obviously remembers the 2012-13. So you know that's high praise in itself. If if Dylan Ball's playing as as is the best he's seen for a long time, so I long may continue. Absolutely. And Heather, do you want to come in on a word on the Jags Foundation? Yes, thanks, Matt. I just want to um, raise for for listeners who are Jags Foundation members, or if you aren't yet, and I would like to be. Um, I feel I can't believe it, but it's actually been a, nearly a year since um, the new board have um, been elected, and that means that elections are coming up in in the next wee while. And it was just to say that the nomination forms will be sent out by email to members on Thursday, the 18th of May. So and if you don't get this email, then please just be in touch with um, our secretary, Graham Cowie. But um, if you are also interested in become in going for it and being part of the board, then there is there's time there's time for that and um and to get in touch with any of the board members who are happy to speak to you and um but yeah the deadline for submitting your nomination is the 24th of may and then there will be um on the 25th of may will the full candidate list will be announced and then elections will be i believe on the 1st of june and um and then but i think there's a kind of a waiting period then but it was just to let people be aware that that is that is happening over the next little while and if people are interested or want to become members or are not receiving Jags Foundation emails just to make sure that they um that they check in on that so that um they can you know be part of voting for the future um of um you know of the foundation. Excellent and you have a, an email address on and the Twitter app for people that do want to get in touch either yeah um so for twitter it's um at the uh, at jags underscore foundation and then i'm sure this and i'm sure it's secretary at jags foundation but i will double check that um but yeah but just to be in touch with anyone graham cowie myself my um andrew holloway ian mckinnon Stuart Goldie, Al McGraw, Gary Katana and Sandy Fife, um, and all happy to help with any questions. And I really hope I haven't forgotten someone there, but I don't think I have. Did I say Stuart Carlson? You have now. I have now, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we will be joined by Vinnie Ferguson and Tom Hosey to review a very successful season for the Thistle Women. Earlier this week, David caught up with Thistle defender Leah Robinson as the Thistle women's team season draws to an end on Sunday against Hibs. joined by Party Fissa women's defender Leah Robinson uh, to discuss uh, the women's team ahead of the final game of the season. Leah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, a, a very exciting game yesterday at Peters Hill. Uh, a 2-1 defeat at Glasgow City um, at the death after the, a 2-1 defeat at the death against Celtic <laughs> in the week before. Obviously, you, you've achieved top six, so how has it been in the top six? How do, how do you feel it's went? 
obviously it's been very, very difficult for us, um, being the only part-time team in the top six, but I think especially in the past few weeks we've, pro- we've gave a proper account of ourselves. Probably that, as Brian uses his word belief all the time, we probably lacked that at the start, coming into the top six and thinking oh, we're probably going to get pummeled every game, but I think over the past few weeks the belief within the group has grown, and I think we, we showed that in abundance. Um, as much as it was a defeat to the recent Celtic game, that was probably one of the favorite, my favourite games I've played in, even though it was a, it was a last-minute winner for Celtic to defeat us. I think the the work rate and the belief from the team that day was was unbelievable and the support from the crowd that day to, to keep us going to the last minute. Obviously, it, hurt, it was everybody was absolutely distraught at the end, but I think that was something that maybe clicked within the team that showed that look, we can go and compete with us, these teams when we put our head down and we get on with it and we play how, how we know we can play. Over the past few weeks, getting results against, or close results against the top three, especially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can see that you can see the improvement from the start of the season. I mean, Celtic Rangers and Glasgow City dish out doings to most teams in the league a lot of the time, and yeah. you know we were on the end of a couple of those doings yeah. at the start of the season. But I mean, two one. I I remember the the first game at Peter Hill against Glasgow City. I believe it was the the Fissel home game. It was three one. And I remember Craig coming up to me afterwards and going, they've conceded three goals all season and usually put six or seven past teams. Uh-huh. It's a really, really good result. So the fact that you're doing, you know, I got a 2-1 and I would arguably say we're the better team. Certainly, yeah. like Glasgow City were absolutely rattled from, from most of the game. And uh-huh. yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed the performance. It was a, a performance to really be proud of. And, you know, conceding a late goal at that, I mean, that that's, that's kind of what... That's why they're the cut above because they can kind of, even when they're bad, they can still win. Yeah. Um. And that's you know that's the making of a champions team. So, um, you know, there's absolutely no shame in in losing two one to Glasgow no. City because not many teams are doing that. So, how did you adapt to the top six? What was the mentality going in? Obviously, you'd kind of achieved your goal. You, we've had people on the pod before, and if Brian Graham, you know, has talked in the press and stuff like that about the sort of goal was top six. So when you when you achieved that, what how do you, how did you g yourself up for the games afterwards? Was a was a change in mentality? Was it just a case of this is a free hit? You know, um, are you on the beach or you know what what's the what's the mentality going in? Um, I think going into it, when you obviously it was going to be a massive learning opportunity for all of us. Um, above anything, we knew that we we'd achieved our goal in the top six, but now that we, now that we were there, we just we were going to have to play the teams and whether we liked it or not, we had to suck it up and play, playing against these teams is only, obviously the results have shown over the past few weeks, the improvement that we've made. And I wouldn't essentially say it's a change in mentality. I think we just, we rolled up our sleeves and we got on with it. And we knew, as I keep going back to it, it's been learning for everybody. So I think improvements within individuals and as a team, it show, just shows how far we've come from the start of the season until we achieved that top six goal and going into these games. Definitely. I mean, you, you signed with us at the start of the season, so yeah. this is your first season in the SWPL1. How have you found it overall, making the step up? Um, it's been difficult. Obviously, coming in at the start of the season, I knew that my work, like work rate and all of that kind of stuff was going to have to be up to level. Um, coming in with, obviously, Damien Shez at the back, I was going to have to prove a point to to try and get into the team but obviously I was just pushing myself in every session and when I knew the opportunity would come eventually. On a per- on a, like a personal level for me one of the games was the Scottish Cup game against Queen's Park. That was my first my first start um in a while. Obviously managed to play ninety minutes and chipped in with two goals. So I think for me that was a bit of like a confidence booster and with Brian obviously giving me giving me the chance to go into that game and I think just going in and, and giving it all I had and obviously we got into the next round but unfortunately we get beat by hearts and that but that would probably be a, a game on a personal level for me but Being a defender mm-hmm. and scoring goals is it more special as a defender to score a goal? Um, I think it is because it probably doesn't happen often but I think it's obviously when you get that question as a defender would you rather make would you rather make an, a goal winning tackle or scoring the winning goal I think for a defender it's probably going to be that goal winning tackle but in that moment for me to score two goals and my first start in a long time was 
an extra bit of motivation for me going in, obviously going into the next few weeks and knowing that from that that was my that was my moment to keep going and keep working hard to push myself into the team and claim my spot. The the worst game I'd probably have to go was the Rangers game at Broadwood. Um, I think if I remember the final score finished, I think it was four or five nil. Um, first half the team was the team was outstanding in the first half, but obviously we lost. We lost Shez to that long-term um, ACL injury she's got and we lost Rebecca McGowan. Thankfully, she's back now, but I think that game was just... I think we were already short on bodies and losing players to, to long-term injuries was something that I think hit everybody um, a bit hard during that game. We were all obviously a bit taken aback and shocked that they happened within quick succession. So I think that game within, within the team, um, it just probably it wasn't a good night for us, to be honest. I've always I've always been intrigued and I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. How how bad is Broadwood to play on? Like I mean I I, I mean it's <laughs> universally acknowledged yeah. as a total shithole to yeah. watch football in. But I've not spoken to anyone who's ever actually played there and asked them. Is is it, it obviously it's incredibly cold all yeah, the time, all the time. As well. Yeah. Is I I mean, is is it that bad? I wouldn't say it's the worst pitch I've played on, but I think from the evidence behind the amount of injuries that's happened on it, I think it says a lot within the men's and the women's game. I think the surface is is obviously is very quite it's quite long for an AstroTurf pitch and it's really dry really dry majority of the time. So it's not the worst to play on, but if you had a choice, you you wouldn't you wouldn't play on it for me anyway. No, it's it, yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you were a fan and you had a choice, you wouldn't go to watch the team play there either. Um, so I think coming into this top six, obviously, unfortunately for Shed, she got an injury. So for me, that was kind of an opportunity to step in. But I feel like playing against these top six teams has probably been very, very beneficial for me and as a team. Definitely, and I believe you. So you started out as part of the Celtic Academy. And yeah. you played with a lot, uh, quite a few players who play with us now, Carrie Henderson, Taylor Hamill, yeah. at youth level. So how did, how was it coming into a team and having people you'd play with, people you knew before? How has that helped you? Oh, it's, it's obviously makes the the change a lot quite easier. I've known obviously Taylor and Cara for for a long time now. I've known Cara from when we played at Glasgow City under thirteen. So we've been friends, especially um, Taylor as well. We've been friends for a long, long time. So. I think coming in it relaxes your nerves a bit, knowing that you know people, um, rather than coming into an environment where it's it's completely new, new faces. So it does it does make it easier and obviously set, settles you in a lot quicker. Working with Brian Graham, we've seen in the men's team the sort of effect that Brian Graham has on the players, and especially at younger players. And you, if you watch the men's team, especially at the moment yeah. in the recent playoff games, you can see sort of what Brian brings to that and the sort of unity that's in the team. They all want to do it for the, the sort of United mm-hmm. cause. So how, what was it like for you working with Brian? How, uh, what has he brought to your game? I think it's probably belief within myself that I can. Obviously, Brian put that belief in me to go and, to go and step in when we were needed against these top six teams and I just hope that I've put in the performances to repay them back because coming in at the start of this season before even joining Thistle, I was probably at the, the edge of giving up football, if you like, but with Brian showing me that belief and just coming into such a like a family family club, it's been it's been unbelievable really. The dif- like the difference within myself like personally and in football, like the growth's been Something that I didn't think would probably have been possible, to be honest, in the start of the season. But Brian's obviously he tells us week in, week out that he's got that winning mentality and he wants to win no matter who you're playing. So I think you go you go into every game with belief that you can get something out of it, whether against these top these top three teams you're you're wanting a draw or obviously yes against yesterday and against City, sorry, um and against Celtic we had opportunities to win the game when the game was at one each. So we know that 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 winning mentality from him has been has been spread across the board. Definitely, and like for me with the team, you can they they have a they have an identity which is really great, and it's an identity that I don't know other club in the SWPL one has. <laughs> I mean, they are um, a very physical side, and yeah. they they make you work for every goal at every point. 
yeah. which is and it's a joy to watch. I absolutely love watching the women's team just because of that sort of identity that they have, and it's it's great fun to be honest. <laughs> and obviously Graham's going to have a, a great impact on that because that you know as a player that's his old mo as you know his identity as a a physical player that will, yeah. will make you work for everything that you get off of him. It's really really fun watching the team in his moulds and mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah there's no other team like Fissel in the league yeah um you know there may be teams that are higher up in the table and stuff like that but none none of them are as enjoyable or as fun to watch and yesterday when you're watching people have been at the world cup and like you know mm-hmm. internationalists yeah. and stuff like that and they're absolutely flapping about and chasing their tails and not knowing what to do and all that it was absolutely fantastic it makes you really proud to be a Fissel fan to be honest yeah. obviously we're playing Hibs um on Sunday yeah um, Hibs are fifth and we are sixth we can't overtake them anymore but it is a club that are on our level essentially yeah. um, it's, a, it's a more even game are you looking forward to it what's your thoughts going into it yeah it is. It's, it's the last game of the season I think it's one um, everybody's looking forward to obviously we've, we drew the first game with Hibs nothing each away at the very start of the season so and unfortunately we get beat 3-1 by them a few weeks ago but during that 3-1 defeat in the first half we were, we were more than a match if not the better team, obviously going in one 0 up at half time. I think just in the second half, we obviously we we switched off and lacked that concentration. So going into this game, we're wanting to get one back on them, um, and everybody's ready to go for it. Definitely, and it's going to be a great fun game. We're wanting to try and get a big crowd down to come along. How big is it for you to have a crowd there? You know, Ro- Rosie's uh, mum with the the tambourine is present. Yeah, the tam- aye, exactly the red and yellow tambourine. But how big is it having a crowd there, kind of chatting, uh, chatting for a fist and stuff like that? Do, do, does it g you up? Do you, do you feel something from it? Oh yeah, um, of course. In um, the past few weeks, especially against these top six, the the crowd's been massive for us. Um, Gene is on, and I think we just this with this last game. We want we want to finish on a high. So if we can get as many people as there supporting us as we can, then it'll hopefully give us that that extra push. I, I did really enjoy it yesterday at at the city game. City, city take quite a few fans to their games and stuff like that, and they mm-hmm. have the drum and the megaphone and stuff like that. And when you um when you equalised, completely shut them up, <laughs> and all the and all the Fissel fans that were there immediately started running, me included, out my yeah. seat, <laughs> screaming, "God, Fissel!" Um, and like just completely taking it to them, and it was so much, it was so much fun to watch. And yeah, it's it's really great when you've got um people cheering you on. Yeah. Um, and you know it's really great to cheer you on. To be honest, it's, it's great fun, um, and it's obviously great fun um, getting up the opposition supporters. Doesn't matter if it's the men's <laughs> team or women's team. You're absolutely you want to get one over them. So yeah, um, it's really great fun. What do you remember, if anything, of the day you got top six? Um, were you uh, and how much <laughs> booze out of the shopping trolley they get wheeled out of Asda? <laughs> did you consume? Um, it was a messy night. It was a messy night. I'll say that. Um, obviously that game we knew what we had to do. Um, and Cara Henderson coming up coming up with a goal from a terrific three ball from Abbey. Um, so obviously the celebrations and the changing them were were very good. Probably seen the celebrations of. The, the Celine Dion song I'm Alive um, that, yeah. seems, that seems to have been a team song this year so and on the bus on the way back to the Dundee getting a carry out and we were lucky enough that for Hill um, they opened up the doors for us for, for us to go in that night and um, for us to have some extra booze and obviously we just we had we had a really good night as a team I think I think still maybe we underlook an achievement at top six Um because we were such underdogs at the start of the season, but I think if all of us to to reflect back now would would obviously give ourselves a pat on the back and to to actually see the achievement that that we that we've done. It's definitely something to be proud of. Um, I mean, it's the first season that they've kind of brought in the split. Yeah. But it's you know, I mean, like we we absolutely lionised the men's team when they got top six in mm-hmm. twenty sixteen seventeen. Like it's a huge huge thing for us. Um, you know, looking back on that season, so for the women's team to do it in what first season SWPL one uh, or <laughs> second season is is ridiculous. And like when you think about the top three teams are full time paid professionals, yeah. players at the World Cup and all that, 
to to be in that mix is absolutely incredible, and it's you know to be one of the six best teams in Scotland is yeah. unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, definitely, it's a definitely an achievement. I think that everyone will look back on with great fondness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking forward to the future. Well, two things. First of all, after the Hibs game, um, what what are you thinking about next season with the team? What's the aims for next season? And are you going on any good holidays uh, <laughs> in the summer? Um, so I think going forward after Sunday, and um, obviously we'll, we'll have an awards night um, the following week, which we're all looking forward to, um, just to celebrate the successes of the team and individuals throughout the season. Um, obviously we'll get a bit, a bit of a break and then. Obviously, it's the time for the dreaded pre-season again that that everybody hates. It's a love-hate relationship with pre-season for everybody. Obviously, coming back in, but the dread, the dreaded running constant is <laughs> is something that nobody likes. But I think after their achievements of finishing top six this year, finishing sixth place has got to be it's got to be the benchmark for us now progressing forward. If the target obviously next year is going to be is progressing to go higher to whether that's to fifth, to fourth or to fifth we've just got to keep progressing as a club um, and I think we've showed over the past few weeks that that we're more that we're more than a match for these teams and we know that if we can t- continue that belief within the team then there's no reason why we can't go and do it and to go to the holidays I'm actually going to Salou in Barcelona for two weeks in August Um. um actually graduating soon so it's a bit of a, a graduation holiday so something to look forward to congratulations thank um, you yeah, absolutely yeah i mean it's a, it's a double celebration you know not, not many people get to you you'll be sitting in a pub and sell a bar and sell or something <laughs> like that and like oh what made you come to so actually <laughs> i was actually a, a graduated uni and as well as why i was in the top six of the <laughs> premier league in scotland I know. <laughs> yeah. that'll be absolutely great but certainly like in terms of the game on sunday um against hibs mm. it's quarter past four um at peter's hill um, against Hibs, uh, season ticket holders get in for a fiver. Um, you know, it's a great atmosphere, and yeah. again, it's an absolute joy watching the Fisher Women's team at the moment. I would totally encourage everyone to go down because it's it's so much fun, and again, they have their own identity, and it's it's so much fun. Yeah, it would be great to get a, a big crowd cheering on and getting up the Hibs fans uh, when, when we yeah. win 5-0 um, I absolutely thanks again Leah for doing this it's been great having you on no thank you for um, having me and good luck for Sunday and enjoy your holidays I will do thank you very much We'll move on to Patrice Disselin to finish off. And I don't think I actually got it round on Coyle earlier. So um, as a, a Bolton fan who um, watched Owen Coyle successfully relegate Bolton in 2012 after dropping uh, Yaskalainen in 2011, get it right round you, Owen Coyle. And uh, I was at the, the Bolton-Barnsley first leg of the playoff yesterday, Saturday. And the second leg of that is on Friday nights, which I won't be able to watch because I'll be at for how. Also on Friday night is the second round of the USPJ. So I'm going to record both the Bolton game and the, the USPJ. Try and remain spoiler-free. Might put my phone in airplane mode and then come back and have a, a late night catching up and all of that. So I'm going to ask you, when have you tried to say stay spoiler-free? Um, might be sport, might be TV, something like that. And was your attempt successful? Heather, I'll start with you on this one. I really was hoping you, you wouldn't be starting with me. Naturally... Um, my dad and my dad and I always used to try and do match the day spoiler free. So would if it came on, like you know, the scores came on on BBC Scotland after like an away day and we were listening to it, then we would turn t- turn it down and make sure and then come straight in to watch. That's not really an exciting one, I think. Um, I'm a I'm a really big tennis fan, and one time I missed the men's final, so managed to stay spoiler free and and then watch that. I think that was maybe one of 
Nadal's wins against Federer, but nothing that exciting. Though I wonder, I, I really was angry about a spoiler. Um, when I was younger, so my sister's seven years older than me and she was reading Harry Potter a lot before me. And then I was waiting until I was like old enough to like fully understand it and get to it. And Iona just said to me, like really, like before I even started the first book, she was like, by the way, you know, Dumbledore dies. And I just was like, and I was just so gutted because the whole way through, through the books, I was waiting for it to happen. Like reading book one, I was like, oh, not died yet. And then that kind of thing. So that was one time where I've not managed to stay spoiler free and was quite, was quite raging about it. Sorry to anyone who's making their way through Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince for the first time um, while listening to this podcast. If, if you're yeah, one of those sorry. people, apologies. Um, <laughs> Jamie, do you have one for this week? Yeah, uh, it's relatively similar to like movies, TV, that sort of thing. Uh, one that I can remember was, I'm quite a big Star Wars fan, and this was before people knew the sequels were bad, right? Only The Force Awakens have been out at this point. So Last Jedi was coming out, and this is before everyone knew it wasn't a good movie. So uh, I was really excited for that film. I couldn't wait to see it, and I was had managed to, I saw it a week late, but I'd managed to avoid tons of spoilers until the day. I think I was going to go see it, and in school, I was like, no one, I was like, please don't tell me what happens. And then they were like, oh no, we, we won't. We'll just speak really quietly over it. So I tried to ignore, ignore what they were saying, but I could hear everything they were saying and got a lot of the plot spoiled for me. So I was kind of raging about that because I'd managed to avoid it quite well up until then. And the only other one I can think of is uh, the TV show, The Boys. I only started that last year, but it came out in 2019. And I'd done pretty well watching season one and two to avoid any spoilers. And then I would say what it is in case anyone listens is watching it, but... There's a, a quite a big spoiler that got ruined for me in season three, which I just saw on Twitter as well. I couldn't believe it. I saw it. I was like, what a chance to see some random tweet about that. And I, I was raging. Uh, Reese, what about you? Mate, I, I've got a couple. So um, firstly, on we'll keep it similar with like the TV programmes and whatnot. Um, I remember I was off work for a period of time a few years ago. So I, I just had time off work and I, I rattled through um, the entire like series of Game of Thrones, seasons of Game of Thrones, um, <clears throat> just in time for the final season starting, and all my pals loved it. Like they would talk about it all the time. So actually, I had to like we would all watch it kind of like together, um, and it'd be on at like two in the morning on HBO or something. So you had to like find a stream, like use that website to stream it, allegedly, in case anyone's listening. But uh, I so we would, we would stream it at like two in the morning, and you had to you had no choice. It was a Sunday night at two in the morning, or it was inevitably going to get spoiled for you on the Monday as soon as you'd woke up but that was one where I, I would avoid it but one that I don't avoid uh, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of UFC so I watch UFC all the time and of course that's that's the same that's on it it will start at one o'clock with the prelims and the main event won't be on till six in the morning so near enough every Saturday I'm up watching the UFC and I'll, I'll watch every single fight of the the main card and then my eyes are shut and come the main event and the, the obviously the most important one it'll be a big title fight or something and then I wake up and I've missed it and I'm like fuck and I'll check my phone just to to go on Twitter to just to be on Twitter to just check a message and the first thing I see will be the, the result of the fight will be a photo of someone holding a belt and then I've spoiled it for myself already so it's it's impossible to avoid spoilers. Uh, great stuff thanks to Reese and Jamie for actually putting some effort into Patrick's Thistle this week Reese, I'm a, a huge fan of you using the word allegedly for something that you yourself did that's that's great stuff um, I've actually got a couple <laughs> <laughs> couple answers for this I went wigwamming um, in 2018 and when I booked this I did not look up the, the World Cup schedule I ended up wigwamming during the, the World Cup quarterfinals so there was no internet in this um, site. So I was quite lucky. But when we went to pubs and stuff, I just wouldn't look at the TV. And I managed to stay clear of all four scores. And then some guy, about like half ten at night, when we were all sort of sitting outside, just like announced the scores to everybody as if he was like Bob Colston or something. So that that was really disappointing because I then recorded at home ready to go. And then another one was the golf at the Olympics a few years ago. It was like the final round and there was like tons of folk in contention. And I stayed up till like one or two in the morning to watch this and uh, they ended up like cutting away from the golf after a couple of holes to go to like fencing or like whatever question events there are at the Olympics. So they didn't show it live and then the next morning I went on to, to watch it on catch up but they had like golf five and a half hours long whatever. But then they had the medalists on the podium as their like picture to watch the golf. Who's watching that knowing who's going to win the top three? That shambolic performance. So if you see me for Helen Friday night, please do not approach me and tell me 
how well or otherwise Bolton have done, or that Jordan Spieth, if his wrist injury is healed, has like missed the cut or his three shots clear or something. Uh, please do not approach and, and give me that information. It's a it's a military level operation on Friday night. Jamie, do you want to come in before we finish? Yeah, just thinking back to things, trying to avoid spoilers. They think back to the lockdown season, having to learn to turn off Twitter notifications because literally every single stream was delayed. The amount of times I had, like, you'd be watching it and they'd be like, go, and then you'd see it, like, oh, fuck off. Like, you'd, you'd, always end up, you'd always end up seeing it, like, every single time before it happened. And how that got, that started to get really annoying after a while. And I also remember streams had an irritating habit of, of spoiling stuff before it happened because the commentary would be, like, three seconds ahead of the picture. <laughs> you'd end up hearing the commentators like describing that the goal just before it happened and it's I that, that drove me nuts to be honest. <laughs> Hello. Just when you said that, Jamie, it reminded me of Tuesday night. I was obviously at Fairhill and one of my friends was watching on TV and I was at the game. So obviously this is absolutely ridiculous, but just it's what your mind goes by. So it was three three at this point, and my and my friend texts me and said, Oh, like didn't expect Queen's Park to score and I was like what like have I missed are we now 4-3 down and then obviously realised that her stream was just delayed and it was you know so she was seeing the like you know the equaliser rather than the than like a, a phantom a phantom goal that I actually hadn't seen live and I think it is like reflective from the Covid season when as you say like you you started to know scores before you before you saw the goal themselves so I I convinced myself classic Thistle fan that we'd conceded without it even happening. The Covid season was wild man we need to do like a proper deep dive I know we did podcast during that but we need to do like a proper long one just deep dive how crazy that season was. Anyway, we'll be back next week to look back on the first leg of our playoff against there and then look ahead to the second leg at Somerset Park. In the meantime, stay safe.